Hello and welcome to the Face Downs, your source for TCG news and all things Yu-Gi-Oh. I'm your host Lucas. I'm Ruben, and once again we are joined by our amazing guest in the rotating seat, Joe. Joe again. <laughs> Whoa, oh my god, Whoa. it's crazy. Damn. How do you keep How do you keep winning out over your competition? Is the real question. Well, what I do is I message you guys and go, "Hey, I can talk about this now," and you guys go, "Okay." <laughs> Yes, you found the secret. We're incredibly lazy and we don't do podcasts unless someone prompts us to. <laughs> and you know what? It keeps us going. Anyway, honorary third member of the Face Downs, Joe, how are you doing today? Yeah, not too bad. Um, played some, uh, well, I actually just ran the Hobby League yesterday. Um, and Amazing. Yeah, it was cool to see a couple of ulties being pulled locally. That's uh, nice. What? What? Could you give us an idea of some of the top decks at this, uh, this Hobby League? Uh, oh. I think I heard... Oh yeah, right. So our our hobby league has got like a lot of returning players, uh, and also lots of new players. So the decks are very diverse. Um, they, I think, yesterday we had, um, like the most meta deck that we had was like a zombie eldritch deck and mm -hmm. a grand Margie deck. The rest of them are like, uh, I think we had Bujins yesterday. We had some black wings Bougins. out there. We had some black tunes. wings. Um, yeah, we had we had a whole bunch of stuff like um. They they are like the thing is is like all the players are starting to build these new decks. Um, but obviously it takes a bit of time, and also like you know because Yu-Gi-Oh is quite an expensive game uh, for the most part. Um, it is. <laughs> yeah, and they they are slowly getting these decks together. Um, and but in the meantime, like it's quite cool. Uh, going to these events and seeing like a whole bunch of just road decks like all day. It makes it makes it nice and different for me to watch as well. When you say Bujins and Blackwings, are you talking like time capsule, or are you talking? someone is just trying to link spam with with triple black whirlwind like what's happening well the play i saw yesterday was uh the bujin player was using black garden and like doing the old black garden um, oh my god OTK. <laughs> yeah so that was pretty cool um and then like just to wait that, no they were doing it with sasanawo is it sasanawo yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> and then um, i would lose to that I, that's fair i would lose to that yeah yeah it was cool um the, the black wings the black wing i think was playing a large raid raptor engine and like just spamming out dragoon uh, so like it wasn't like completely okay. well yeah yeah like it was good but it, it was quite the truest black wing dragoon <laughs> yeah but it, no it's it's good to see and like we we've been getting a lot of local players coming in now and like we book out our hobby leagues at the moment so it's 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 been quite good and rad yeah good to see uh, so let's say you were getting into the game and you used to play black wings back in 2010 uh how would you i don't know if you were like running a store how would you recommend people get back into the game mm -hmm. well the general recommendation for most people um even like today i i find is like you find the most competitive structure deck and you go hey buy some of those um and that that's always like a pretty good starting point the the thing is is like with current modern day Yu-Gi-Oh, and i'm sure you guys would agree there's so many mechanics to learn there's so many cards to learn like if you if you are brand new to the game like and you're not a returning player as such it is like quite mind-blowing and yeah and would you like to should we elaborate on some of the amazing introductory structure decks that have been released within the past year let's say something like ice barriers something yeah, like charmers mechanized Charm madness spirit sa sacred, sacred beasts, sacred beasts. <laughs> all these decks really do just teach you about so many of all the cool mechanics that are no, the thing, they don't. No, they don't. No, the thing, the thing I like to see, and and I'm sure you guys might agree with this, is uh, structure decks that are meta relevant, and and we have seen a lot of those in the past. I, I would argue the Shadow one right now is probably still the best one to buy, 
Um, there's been, you know, the Salomon Great one. Uh, there's been even the Endymion one last uh, in 20, 2019 as well. They're both like, they're all quite like. The good DDD for... one for a week. Yeah. That was funny. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it's a tough thing because, you know, you don't want the entire. If they just keep printing broken structure decks, then sort of the fun of deck building goes away, right? Like, no one yep. really got a chance to lab Salamangrate. No, that <laughs> it, was, it was just broken immediately. Um, you know, if Sky Striker was like a structure deck, you know, instead of a deck building set, we'd have a similar kind of situation. So it's, it's tough. I don't want like every good deck to be a structure deck, but there should be one a format. And there isn't one for this format, unfortunately. No. No. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing Chalmers just take it take down a hobby with yeah. the, against the yeah. Albers deck might be close, but you will need to buy like multiple Chase Secret Res. Like that's the problem. Oh yeah, like Al Albers and all the Despia stuff. I imagine uh, there's no way that deck's gonna just reprint Albers. I mean, if they wanted to fix the the stupid text thing, maybe, maybe, but yeah, yeah, yeah I, exclusive so. Albers reprint. No, yeah, no, that would be silly. <laughs> I personally think this is where Yu-Gi-Oh uh, needs like to adapt in a way because there isn't a lot of learner material. Um, I mean, I've been down to an Armageddon. I think you guys have before to like the learn mm -hmm. learn to place, and like they're fun, they're cool, and they do teach the basics. But the problem with it is it isn't teaching like proper Yu-Gi-Oh. It's teaching kind of a speed duel version, um, and I, I don't know. There there almost needs to be a more simplified learning thing. That also can then expand onto like modern Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, do you think it's possible? I'm I'm sorry, but like like it's so hard with this game. Like it is very. If you hard, were really yeah. like if you were building say a custom made, I had this actually happen to me at, at a um at a Magic locals. Someone came up to me and said, "Oh, I really kind of want to play Yu-Gi-Oh. I'm just curious. Like, can you build a deck that we could test with?" And I was like, "Well, what?" A what the hell do I build? <laughs> like, it's, so like, it's my hard, first thought like, was like, build them um, something like Salamangrate, right? Because it's sort of a combo deck. You use link monsters. You can exceed summon. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't really touch entirely on fusion ritual, mm. uh, Gemini. Like, when it, yeah. like, there's just so many mechanics that, like, you can't really build one catch-all deck. I guess DDDs, goddammit, yeah, would actually I mean, be the answer. DDDs are like Adagnista, maybe. The if thing you really is, wanted to get it across. Konami could look at maybe building some kind of you know how we had the starter decks where they teach you very basic strategies they they could look at doing something that like is pretty much designed just to show showcase almost each summoner mechanic but you're right it's so hard because there's so many of them mm. adagnist um, is not a bad idea actually if they made like a learn to play adagnist deck you could probably fit it all in yeah, you're um, probably good, but they yeah. also yeah every format they do like a power code link structure deck and, and it's just full of or like garbage that extends right like starter decks exactly like, like let's be like the the most recent starter deck release was the god decks what are they yeah. teaching you nothing not not a How lot that the egyptian monsters? gods are yeah. bad monsters <laughs> is the is the lesson there which is an important lesson for all new players to learn um but I mean, not for 15 dollars a deck <laughs> 20 yeah I think one one store I know of in um I think it's there's a lot in the lower heart I think is Sushi Night. Yep, Steve. Yep. Yeah, Steve does an amazing job with like newer players, and I know he has a a speed duel in kind of like league, and he goes around to local schools and all that sort of thing using speed oh, that's duels, awesome. which is really cool to see. Like, and that 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 is a way of doing it, and I know it it works getting in some young players. Um, just before the current lockdown, um. I was actually starting to contact some of the uh, local schools because I found out that there was one school that literally had 15 Yu-Gi-Oh players in it. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, we didn't even know about it and they didn't know about our hobby league. And what I was going to do is set up a um, 
like kind of a beginner's league, so they don't jump straight in the deep end against like mm-hmm. people that have been playing for a long time. Um, and then we'd have like some of our experienced players just overseeing it and helping them and coaching them and that sort of thing. And that, that's that's what I think Yu-Gi-Oh needs. It's just the um, yeah, I guess the resources that need to go into it are quite high. There's, there's definitely a gap because you know kids are still watching the show and getting into the game, and they want to you know they want to play their blue eyes. They want to do their you know tribute summons and and slower Yu-Gi-Oh, right? But I had this problem at our locals. There's like four kids that show up and they, they sort of like, they're at the age where they know their decks need to be improved. Like one of them, you know, has been playing a lot of Springins. Uh, and like, it's a, it's a viable deck. It's, it's certainly playable. Uh, and the kid knows how to play it, but they can't afford, you know, meta staples. And they're put in the yeah. same league as people who are trying to literally win you know, alties, invites, like it's not exactly, I think I was at a, a shuffle and cut tournament and like a little kid was there and it was, it was for like a winner, winner box. And it's like, mm. well, I can't just like throw for like, cause I want to win. It would feel bad to just throw and lose the whole tournament for, to let like, this kid get like one win. Um, yeah. And that's the thing. It's, it's not really it's, like, uh, yeah. It's really it's hard, hard to solve. like do that. Yeah. But like, that, that's why I'm looking at possibly like i don't know how like it's quite hard to you know get these leagues started and make them popular because obviously everyone's at such Mm. different levels but what i want to do is hopefully make it so like i'll run it as like a beginner league season as such um and then at the end of each season uh the winner of the league or the top two in the league will then get kind of promoted in a way to the top you know to the hobby league Um, okay and we could look at doing that that sort of way and get these younger players like into the game feeling good because they're winning games and not just going and getting slaughtered every week. Um, yeah, because I, I run a Pokemon yeah. league at my store and uh, the way it's, wor- you know, the way they do it is they just age bracket it, right? Because a yeah. lot of different kids play Pokemon and that works really well and we, we just make it free to enter and if you win, you get one booster pack so it's kind of just a place for parents to drop their kids off and, and, and have fun and, and maybe mm. sometimes they don't play by the rules 100% but it's so low stakes that no one cares, really, yeah, right? Nice, and I think yeah. that's the problem with Yu-Gi-Oh! is that like there are no diverted stakes. Everything is for the exact same. There's no age brackets and everyone pays the same amount to play for the same stakes. And there's no league where you're just like having fun. <laughs> like, yeah. obviously we're all having fun playing, but there's no league that's just like, oh, you got me. Haha. It's still competitive, right? Yeah. And, and that, that's the thing. And, and that's why I'm looking at separating like beginners. And it doesn't matter about age. Like you could be like a 30 year old that's all of a sudden got a nostalgia trip and wants to play Yu-Gi-Oh, but never done it before. Mm. And you can just jump mm. into this beginners league. Um, and then hopefully what they'll do is like, they'll give them a, a, a good taster of what Yu-Gi-Oh is and, and we can see more players come from it. So yeah, I mean, that that's that's what I, I would like to see happen a, a bit more around the place. Um, it is hard though, because like obviously, there's a limited number of people that can run these events There's, you know, time in the week to find to like, you know, fit the events in. But I'm sure like it's it's a possibility that we can definitely look into. Yeah. And I think that Yu-Gi-Oh, unfortunately, albeit unofficial, does have an opportunity for people to kind of do practice and learning at their own time around the clock. And this kind of, you know, the existence of Yu-Gi-Oh simulators, I think, has truly bolstered a, a, an interest for players who potentially may have looked at products that's available and gone, I don't think this is really what I want to be practicing. But at the same time, they go, I don't want to be just, oh, I have a slight interest in this game. Let me just drop three, four hundred dollars on a deck. Mm, we have like a an animator Duel Links to Dueling book pipeline right now, yeah. which is a little unfortunate because you end up in the the entirely 
online simulator, right? Like it never really makes it to the local game store. I mean, occasionally people come in, you know, oh, I used to play Duel Links and you know, I wanted to play like the real cards because, you know, I'm a boomer or something. <laughs> but <laughs> a lot of um, people, I think, end up in Dueling Book exclusively because it's free, right? Yeah. Um, the thing I have with simulators, and, and I'm sure you guys would agree, Dueling Book has often been criticized just for being like quite slow and like hard to use in a way like I, that's why i personally don't use it just because of the amount of like clicking and actions that you need to do and it's not it's, it's I, a virtually unchained unchanged oh god um what was it called dueling net was it dueling nexus or dueling nexus or something along those lines yeah uh, so, no it was um uh, it wasn't dueling book version, it was uh dueling network dueling network yeah, yeah dueling it's network, like it, yeah. it hasn't changed for like a decade like the graphic design the interface, like the intro being all these like duelist alliance uh, staples. Like it's very, it's, if you saw that, you'd be like, what the hell is this? Especially yeah, compared it, it, looks, with, um, it looks very budget. Like we'll put it that way. Compared yeah. with what Magic and Hearthstone and Rune Terror have as their simulator, uh, which of course the announced Yu Gi Oh! Master Duel is, is obviously ripping off. Mm. Uh, you know, the expectations for those games set the bar so high that I think if you were trying to get someone into Yu-Gi-Oh! and you showed them Dueling Book, they'd be like, no, yeah, no <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, not, good I'm just strictly yeah. not going to do that. Um, no, because there's no help. Like, there's no, like, I think a lot yeah. of people, if, like you said, and working with Duel Links, a lot of people like the prompting. And so that's where the existence of something like EDO Pro uh, can facilitate mm. someone who maybe wants to learn a bit more but they don't really understand a lot of the ways that things work and activate because let's be honest dueling book is very manual so it's designed yeah. for people who enjoy the ability to kind of uh, on their own volition declare actions declare effects declare you know triggered um you know abilities whereas uh Edo pro and you know as we said just discussed with duel links uh, they are quite they're a bit more prompting they, they go here there is something you can do would you mm. like to see so I guess in discussion, what do you what do you think in terms of simulators that give prompts? How do you think that these help players? So it helps players obviously because they they may like not realize. For a, a key example, I have in my deck at the moment is branded opening. You know, it's in the graveyard. It it protects your fusion monsters. It's a one misplay that you can make in person where you forget it's in the grave or something along mm -hmm. those lines. Whereas you know, EDO Pro will be like, hey. You want to protect your monster, and mm -hmm. in a way that helps a player realize, oh, that card's insane! Like it helps all the time, and it always comes up. But on the other hand, you become almost reliant on the prompt, and then when it comes into real life dueling, um, you can often get caught out because you don't realize, or like you just forget that that that's in your grave, and you, obviously your graveyard's not going to prompt you in real life. So, um, yeah, the absolute classic of all time is Scarm, right? Oh yeah, Scarm is like the ultimate make or break when it comes to this because. You could always tell a good BA player from a bad BA player because they would just forget to resolve scum. There was a or... guy who tattooed search uh, search um, scum search end phase on his wrist. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Damn. no, it, he really it definitely. Did the, what if I did the the exam notes as a tattoo on my arm <laughs> from high school in real life? He literally did. Yeah. So like, pretty good. It's a good I, tattoo actually. I like I it. Feel, I do too. It's pretty funny. Um, so. Yeah, I think that uh, obviously when uh, my experience is I, I build a deck and I test it on EDO Pro. Like I don't often play against people. I'm I'm not really a big fan of online Yu-Gi-Oh, to be honest with you. I, mm -hmm. I, I like the in-person stuff, um, but I will like build decks on there just to like test hand and do all that sort of thing. Um, 
but i don't know it's it's one of those things where you need to almost find a balance and hopefully like master Duel will um be a really good option for like people but uh, the only concerns and i'm sure you guys have the same concerns is the big paywall that it might be behind well then that doesn't solve the problem right yes no. if people go from anime to like free to play duel links and then they want to get into the real card game it's always been money like if yeah. you could just get all the cards for free everyone would play Yu-Gi-Oh, right yeah. Oh, um, yeah. But then Konami wouldn't make any money. It's, it's, it's. In some way, I, I want Konami to make money because I think art should be appreciated. And, and even though they are a big corporation, like, you know, the people who design the cards, the people, you know, they all deserve to be paid, they right? Definitely so, deserve it. Yeah. Like, on it's... some level, like, you should have to pay for Yu-Gi-Oh cards. I don't think that's ever gonna. I'm never gonna change my mind on that. I think where people get hung up on is when individual cards that maybe shouldn't be expensive become expensive, like. I don't think anyone's mad when like Pot of Desires comes out that it's a hundred dollar card because you can simply not play it, right? But when yeah. a card like a Dusted Gold is is hitting two hundred dollars uh, in the U.S. and people who literally want to play Evil Hero, not even Meta Hero, are like, "Come on, like, <laughs> this is, you know, I need this for my rogue stupid meme anime deck, and it costs two hundred bucks. Like, I guess I'll just stick to Dueling Book." Yeah, uh, and I I was hoping that what they could have done with um. Dolan, oh sorry, was it Dolan? I can't think of the uh, Master Duel. Master Duel. Master Duel. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, what I was hoping they were going to do with that was take the um, the ideas of like those free to play games that you often see online, where they're free to play and you pay for like skins, you pay for like shiny cards because people would still buy it because they love you know even though it's a um an online thing, people still buy skins. People still like want the little character on the side of their screen. I was hoping that that's where the money would kind of go. And then you would just be at least make the cards very easy to get. Mm -hmm. Or the other thing they could have done would be like a subscription based game, which like sure, ten dollars a month, I'm sure we'd be all quite happy if we had the whole entire card pool at ten dollars a month. Um, or something along those lines. That that's the other option. But um it looks like they're taking the door links way, uh, where you have to sort of either grind for like days on end to get a few packs and hope for the card. Or you can just straight up buy cards or buy the structured decks as such as they come out. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 hoping that they. It, I, I want the game to succeed because I want Yu-Gi-Oh to succeed, but it's a bit of a hard one. It mm. is, but I also think the skins argument is tough because I think card games are unique that the it's one of the only games where the card like the the thing you play with is the skin. If yeah. that makes sense, like. Yep. I think aesthetics play a huge role in people's deck choice and deck decision, but I don't think like the card sleeves matter as much as the card art, which is something that you have to play with. It's hard to describe, but like when yeah. I want to build a hero deck, I don't need hero sleeves. I don't need hero figurines. I don't need a hero themed dual disc or t-shirt. I want the hero cards, right? Like that's what yeah. aesthetically appeals to me. So with a card game, it's hard to convince people to spend extra money on a sleeve yeah when I they've guess already got the, the cards in their hand they like to look at they could have done something along the lines of like you know every card you get is just like a common looking basic card and then like if you want to upgrade it Ooh. you can get like oh, special shiny they things should on make them or every... full arts or whatever you know they should make every card free but it's unlim done <laughs> easy they have the silver stamp and you can pay for first editions oh wow do you know how much yeah. money they would make <laughs> just for you. yeah yeah so uh, yeah it's it's a definitely a tough one and i i want as, as i said before i really do want that game 
to do well because it will mm. bring more players hopefully into the physical game as well um and definitely it'll stream well that's the main thing right oh yeah even if only five people ever play it because they're the only people who can afford to buy mermails uh from from loose booster packs you know that'll still bring a lot of people into the game just mm. from watching it yeah because there was a guy i met uh, um armageddon down here um and he said he played heaps of Duel Links. He'd never played the proper game. He owned mm-hmm. like cards and stuff. He hadn't really played the game before. And he, he was saying, talking to me about how insane like some of the Duel Links cards were to get. Like you had to spend mm-hmm. hundreds of dollars just to get these like one of two of cards. You know, hundred dollar like, book of moon. I yeah, that. like that's, yeah. And he he had to get that. And I'm like, that that's just insane. You could buy like ulti book of moons in real life and have them. You know, like <laughs> yeah, it's 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 one of those things. And Konami knows that it will work um and they know that they'll hope they'll draw people in because uh, correct me if i'm wrong it's like a free to play thing isn't it yeah i believe yeah. that that they yeah they did advertise initially that it was free to play i think if i were going full cope and we don't have to talk about master Duel the whole time but it is uh quite an interesting topic like the full cope is that they um they do make cards very very easy to get except mm. for let's say like core secret res if that if that makes sense Similar to like how it is in real life. So if you need commons, you can just get every common from a set in like four hours, like just from grinding. Uh, but if you want Alaba, if you want Ready Fusion, you got to pay. Mm. I could see that being the model almost. Like you just get like an obscene amount of commons. Because I think Magic has the wild card system where, you know, you just earn wild cards. You can cash in for commons and uncommons. And, you know, that works. And then everyone complains because the rare wild cards are like unbelievably annoying to get and cost hundreds of dollars. <laughs> I mean, it works yeah. better for Magic because their uncommons are like three, three monsters that cost two mana that have an effect. <laughs> like, it's like they don't have combo pieces, so so to speak. Mm. The other thing that it could, uh, it, it might harm if it is. This is <laughs> where uh, it is a bit controversial, I suppose. Like, if it does succeed too well, it might actually start harming the physical game a little bit. Maybe. Oh, and that's not controversial at all. No, I think and... that was even people's concern. Like people were interested to see how they were going to handle Duel Links because I think a lot of people were like, "Well, if this is just the game, but on a phone, why would I buy cards?" Yeah, and Magic players already have seen the effect of a much more profitable, cheaper, uh, multilingual, easier to produce video game version of Magic, just completely eclipsing the popularity of the physical card game and the uh, tournament scene. Mm. Yeah, because that's a major thing that's happened in Magic. I know that is their tournament scene is for the most part quite dead in a way. Um, I mean, it's possibly yeah. because of COVID as well. COVID I as mean, well, yeah. Hard to blame a company for pivoting online. Oh uh, yeah, over no, the last but, couple of years. No, for, from from a financial standpoint, it makes complete sense why why they've done it. Um, it's 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 almost magical though that we've just ended up with this remote dual jank. Um, not for people who can't like access it, but for the fact that it kind of feels like paper Yu-Gi-Oh hasn't gone away in the way it would have if we had master duel over the last two years yeah and i also find that's another thing we could also talk about is remote duel in itself is like it's relatively popular but in in comparison like people just want to play the physical game and i don't think a lot of people really like sitting in front of a screen uh, and and being over a webcam like i i have only played one event so far and it was okay but it definitely um wasn't quite the same as like you know a physical event because you're looking around the room and you're seeing all these other people playing it's like a bit of an atmosphere there mm. um when you're sitting at home like it, it's fun don't get me wrong and i still enjoyed playing but it felt 
quite lonely mm-hmm. in a way because you're just sitting there like with a webcam on your desk no one else around you know yeah you, you didn't play any simulators ruben you, like last lockdown this lockdown you've always avoided them because uh, to be honest i don't find them as appealing I, i've always i will say i've always preferred dueling book i've always preferred dueling book um mm. and that's simply because uh from a rulings perspective it's a lot easier to manage i mean we, it took us this lockdown to find out that you could change edo pros uh cgoc to tcg as opposed to ocg so you know okay. there were rulings that you could change that i were just uh, previous to us unknown that you were able to modify them i so mean I've, yesterday as well uh you were called in on a game and someone was like why can't i pendulum summon and we spent like 15 minutes looking at the game state and we're like i i don't know <laughs> It just wouldn't let him. It was so weird. Like sometimes uh, EDO just glitches. Yeah, yeah. That that also kind of like going from Rollins and stuff. Like it can take you back to um, the learning how to play is because like simulators don't always get the Rollins right. Um, no way. Yeah. Yeah, and like sometimes there's just such like hard out Rollins that you know you almost need to bring out a. a I don't even know what, like a huge, like 500 page book and go through everything and like read, oh yeah, this is an interaction with this. And like this, I got caught out yesterday and it was a pretty basic ruling, but I, I had to quickly message Ruben and be like, hell, help me out. What what happens here? <laughs> like, cause it had been a while and I hadn't seen the interaction before. Cause it was like an old card. This? Oh yeah. No, Joe message. Uh, it was in regards to the activation of Blackwing Zephros, the elite versus ghost bell. And the question yeah. was how far does it go? And can you activate Zephros again? So the answer is, uh, it will return the card that Zephros targets because it's activation cost. Yeah. But it does not summon, and you cannot attempt to use Zephros again because it was it is a use, not activate. Right. Yeah. So and that, again, that's that's a very specific ruling that you know or wording that uh, you know on myself, Lucas, and you know I don't doubt your capabilities, Joe. But you know those are particular words that. Uh, everyday players and people who enjoy potentially the physical interaction of the cards can learn and like adapt and you know take forward but a lot of people who use simulators go oh it just doesn't work yeah like yeah and I, 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 it doesn't work oh why that's I, all i was pretty sure at the time i was like i'm I'm pretty sure you can't but i can't 100 percent tell you why right now and that's why i message you just yeah. to be like able to tell the players this is why you can't that's yeah. something that simulators like edo pro if they are doing this for master duel like they almost need an explanation button yeah. for Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. And I know that's stupid because there's so many. It's but not stupid. Th- there need to be things like, um, there needs to be tooltips for something like Zephyros the Elite that, that, that say, oh, this card has use as its clause. Therefore, if the activation is negated, you have attempted to use it and you can't use it again, as opposed to you can only activate if the activate. Like that kind of stuff needs to be spelled out for people. Because one of the issues with EDO Prime, I'm sure, is that people just go like, what the hell, game doesn't work, broken, and, and they mm. may be missing an obvious instance in which the game is actually doing the right thing and they haven't been given the learning opportunity because it, it can just be attributed to a glitch. I think what Master Door needs as well is um, like a tutorial section because there hasn't been a single... Well, I mean, I, I, I know of the official games, I haven't played many of them. There might be a tutorial thing, but like they need an in-depth tutorial which then takes you through every mechanic and then takes you through certain interactions, spell speed, chain links, just everything, you know? Like, uh, And they, they mm. have the ability just to create like a, a, a very in-depth tutorial, which will be like probably 
20 or so different like scenarios it can set you up with i know that like for example edo pro has those puzzles and stuff but they're not they're more for fun they're, they're not really like, hard they're really they're hard really hard. really hard and they're almost yeah. designed as like like tongue twisters right they're not so much realistic gameplay puzzles as they are check out this cool like you know escape room kind yeah, of. Well, win this turn and you're looking at these cards yeah. and you're like what does this do <laughs> yeah i like um, those in theory i like them as learning tools if they made them simpler um but it's just so hard because Yu-Gi-Oh's rules and maybe this is like a tangent but god forbid we go on a tangent right we've never done that before mm. uh Yu-Gi-Oh's rules are terrible they are so bad and yeah, uh, I, and... I also feel like they need to just axe a number of mechanics obviously they should just axe missing the timing it should just go away um doesn't matter if it breaks old cards it's fine it's funny um Naturia cliff let's let's get them but i think they need to axe missing the timing for sure it's just a stupid mechanic that never should have been printed mm. uh they should probably just axe the word when in general they should probably never have made a difference between use activate once per turn and once per turn while face up on the field uh it's just it's like so many different instances for the same thing and it's almost like when you build like if you built like a a chair and you like oh crap i forgot one of the legs so you have to staple a leg onto it oh now it's off off tilt so you have to put a a pedestal under one of the legs to make it even and and at the end you've just got this not functional uh monstrosity a, a right? chair that you sit on and it breaks immediately yeah because yeah. why we the reason we have you can only use this effect once per turn as a written clause is because they screwed up once per turn the first time <laughs> yeah if they just did it right the first time they never would have to have done a second one it's so silly and the problem often comes in you're right and you mentioned there like older cards some of them are like ridiculously hard to understand like because the the text on them is just like foreign now to compare mm. to what, what what's around now like if you read the first like printing of super poly it reads completely differently completely completely differently yeah. to what it is now um so like the yeah it's they almost need to like simplify the rules a little bit but i don't think it would simplify the game that much it would just stop these like no. judge calls it that are just the yeah. questions it would like, stop it all these dumb a yeah. lot of like weird interactions that i think people didn't understand like you know oh so if i book of moon my wind-up magician i can activate it again and you go yes but you go but it's face up on the field and you go yeah but it's a new card it's a new card yeah yeah, yeah. and they should really like once per turn literally does not mean once per turn like that's a problem i think a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh terminologies have is that they actually just lie they're complete mm. lies like once per turn and then you activate it a second time and your opponent goes but it says once per turn and you're like oh well this is soft once per turn and your opponent goes what it doesn't does say that and you're like well yeah. no because there's soft and hard and then there's also uh different variations upon those based on whether or not it's user activate and they go i quit <laughs> like yep. what else do you what else can you say except okay i give up i'm not playing or, this game or the classic you know once per turn during either player's turn compared to like quick effect yep. and it actually has it written on the card as quick effect you know so yeah yeah it's 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 a confusing game and i feel like konami at, at multiple points in time were like we're going to change this to this and then they changed it again and then what we have now is three things that all mean the same thing but all read completely differently yeah we were playing thunder dragon like toss format thunder dragon yesterday and i'm like why are these cards thunder dragon duo is a mandatory activation effect and titan is an optional when <laughs> like why did they yeah. do it again it's so stupid just don't do it yeah and, and, and definitely oh, like as for an, explaining these things to new players is really hard as well because like exactly from a logical standpoint you look at the card and you go it says that 
so it should just do that and then when you have to turn around and be like i know it says that but it does this it just makes them even more confused than this and they're going okay uh sure like whatever we'll carry on playing um and yeah it definitely makes the learning curve very very hard you know masters in english just to read a card yeah apparently it's all it's you know grammar never mattered so much and i think that that's the big thing that the that really separates simulators from in-person play is that simulators yes okay they'll just tell you that you can and can't do it but they don't tell you why and i think that that's a that does is a huge differentiation between players who want to play the game and players who want to play competitively at the game it's a matter of being able to determine where and when things occur how these interactions work and i i think that's potentially why a lot of people you know uh initially really loved edo pro i loved it initially because you know it was so helpful you go oh my god i didn't realize this works like that but now you see a lot more players transitioning to dueling book because they go well i know how the rulings work i need to practice the manual like the the actual me doing mm. it going this is what i would like to do yeah and this this kind of ties into what we wanted to talk about the learning curve of Yu-Gi-Oh. yeah we sort of already started but I think it's a huge topic if we're going to talk about Master Duel and and the evolution of simulators, you know, what what really is the learning curve of Yu-Gi-Oh? Because in my opinion, it is this stuff. I don't think learning how to Dragon Link combo is, is very difficult at all. I don't think it's hard. Um, I think the real learning curve is this really archaic language exploration and uh, like getting that intricate knowledge of how Yu-Gi-Oh cards work with each other. And I mean, that's true of every card game, obviously. Mm. But Yu-Gi-Oh, I think, is, is especially tuned to um, this really archaic and, and, and confusing language style. You know, yeah. I, I, can, I can sort of think of so many tournaments where I've won purely on the back of just knowing an interaction. I think, like, last week I, I um, popped someone's Appaloosa in response to its effect. And then they kind of look at me blankly and I'm like, it doesn't negate my card. And they go, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, because it didn't lose attack. And they're like, what do you, but it says negate. I'm like, yeah, I know, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and it's even just the, the basics, I would say, would be like one thing I'm trying to teach local players at the moment is just how to like do things like chain blocking. Like that's a, that's a major kind of learning mm. curve for players. Like, and also just knowing what to sort of hand trap is in my opinion, is another part of Yu-Gi-Oh where you really need what to you learn. Can hand trap. Yeah, what you can and what also like what what the most optimal thing is to do or like uh, that 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 for me is uh, is a huge part of the learning curve is learning what every single deck does and kind of knowing the choke points and being like, okay, this is where I need to do this. Um, compared to like a newer player, you'll always find would be quite easy to just bait a hand trap out from, you know, like you go, okay, if I activate this, they're probably going to hand trap it, and then they hand trap it because it's that they're looking at the garden. They go, "Oh yeah, that that does that. Cool, I'll stop that." Um, yeah, I, I can ash this. Cool, I'll ash it. Yeah, yeah, that exact. Yeah. So I think that's where the start of it uh, becoming like just like a new player to like a, a good player is, is definitely just learning those those basic parts of how to form chain links in a in a correct way where you're not going to lose effects or um, you know how to uh stop your opponent's deck in the right at the right point and things like that 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 that's that's the start of the learning curve for me um mm. and then and i think in terms of like you know you you say things like chain blocking timing hand traps like these are phrases and things that we are familiar with we understand someone goes oh i'm just going to chain block this and you go yeah that's i understand 
you say chain block to someone who's never who has played dual links they go what what how does this like how what what do you mean chain block like yeah you go oh well, okay well there's two effects on the chain you because they're both because again grammatically they're both if you cans like mm. they, they won't miss timing so however you layer them when you and how you want them to resolve it's your choice at, at what point they resolve at when they resolve you know, even just the phrases of like at resolve, it's like these are these are things that aren't taught. Like these aren't things that will be in a beginner's player's vocabulary. Do you That's guys not... do you guys think that Konami should uh, expand the vocabulary of Yu-Gi-Oh? Like, should they just literally call they, it chain blocking because it doesn't have a name? Could. Yeah, I mean, they, they like in Master Duel, you pulled it. off like um, you know, like chain link one construct, chain link two squamata. Should like an image come up that says like chain blocked? Like, you know, I mean, it, 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 it could like, and I think that's definitely something they could implement into like a tutorial system. You know, they could be like, your opponent mm. has an Ash Blossom in hand. You want to resolve your or construct. How that's do you do that? Idea. You know, like, yeah, I was like your opponent, normal summon tour guide, uh, but they also have a Kagemucha Knight. Can you activate Ash Blossom yeah. in response to tour guide's effect? Well, I like yeah. Joe's idea of like, you know, you want, you have to resolve uh, one effect. Should all construct to win the game your opponent has Ash Blossom in hand. Mm. And it just leaves you to your devices to maybe work it out. And if you struggle, it goes, okay, here's how you do it. Yeah. Because um, they need to legitimize, legitimize these mechanics. Almost like when they, they wrote Extra Link on Gumbla. That was a mistake. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, they legitimized a mechanic quite um, tangibly with Link monsters. I think Link monsters were actually extraordinarily well explained um, from mm, the get-go. Like, they described what a co-link was, what an extra link was, they described how exactly to link summon and the, and the mechanics surrounding link summoning were very airtight from the get. Mm. I don't think there's ever been like a, no. a no, noteworthy rulings problem with link monsters that and I, I remember can think of. When they were first announced, like there was lots of like official Konami videos of like explaining mm. the whole mechanic and people, you know, understood it. They were like, okay, yeah, cool. That that that's how it works. And you're right, like that that's what they need to do. But with these more obscure things like the chain blocking mm. and stuff. I really like the tutorial idea you had. Yeah, like just a number of different scenarios in which the only way to win is to exploit uh, a mechanic. Like you could do it with, um, you know, then or, or like and if you do clauses, you know, like actually showing how you can win. Uh, against that example I told, like you have Ghost Ogre in hand and your opponent has an Appaloosa, you must resolve your monster effect. It's a fairly straightforward um, play pattern, but something that you need to know about, right? Yeah, because you'll just read it and you'll be like, oh, wait, but that's going to negate this as well. And you, then you'll realize yeah. afterwards when you actually resolve it, why it happens, you know. Yeah, uh, maybe after you win, it goes like, okay, so here's how that worked. I mean, this is all very hopeful. They're not going to do this, unfortunately. Yeah. No, like, yeah, someone has to, like maybe a community member or... Yeah, the other thing that I have to explain to a lot of new players as well is the difference between like cost and sending for effect. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. That's a major one. Is, again, a, that's a, another rule. Yeah. That's another mechanic I think they should never have made. Yeah. I think it's a horrible mechanic. Yeah, because like a lot of people are like, well, I that was negated. Why why do I still have to send this cost? And I'm like, because that's the cost of activating the card, you know, like that that's what mm -hmm. it is. But it, it's very hard to like understand because in, in a lot of new players' eyes, they go, they read in the card and they're like, Yeah, but the whole card was negated, so surely I don't have to do that first bit on the card because it's it didn't happen. And then I, you know, explaining that to someone is actually like, it it makes it seem silly because obviously, it, it it should almost be. And I'm not saying that cost shouldn't be a thing or anything, but I'm saying that 
if a card's negated, surely none of that text on that card matters anymore because it is, it's gone, you know. Mm. But you, then when you have to like explain that it does matter, like it, it, that's where the problems come in. I mean, it's a lot harder with old cards before problem-solving card text when it's like, you know, do X, select comma, card. Yeah. comma. Like they don't even oh, yeah. like differentiate it and you think that's... And then you have to like pull up the Oracle uh, updated text to show the colon and then explain, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think cost for spell cards, cost for traps is fine. I think certain elements of cost are good because obviously this game doesn't have any resource system mm. yeah um where, where it gets me is is cherubini and and um collider chick collider chick uh curtain razor is actually one of these but like all these cards that have an effect that isn't an effect is dumb <laughs> yeah cards that, it... cards that lie again cards that are completely just lying to you where cherubini says send a level three monster from deck to grave you go oh i can ash it you're like no, it's cost. And they go, but it's an effect that sends from... And you're like, oh my God. They, they need to just get rid of those cards. I don't know how they do it. They yeah, gotta stop. It just makes it very, very, very hard for like any... Even just like... Because obviously I've, I've had players in, in my locals that they, they've been playing for, say, two or three months. And that, they, that mm-hmm. you can see that the development of the player, like they, they started off in the first week and they were, they're new to the game. They're going, oh, what does this do? They go away, they build up their decks up to like kind of meta standards as such um and then they come back and then they and i've slowly seen over the weeks they've started to like actually learn um things like how chainlinks resolve so like a, a one one guy and i'm sure you won't mind me mentioning he's playing uh harpies and he has harpies Featherstorm, and then he he realized mm-hmm. obviously he started to click onto the fact that people can like sort of chain effects to it and things like that um but then there, there's the next stage where as we've been talking about all these just silly like mechanics that you just have to like explain to them and and that's the next the next stage that they're going through at the moment and they're they're sort of starting to pick up on why things can't happen and why things can happen one Mm. thing like they they learned about chain blocking but they still i had to explain to them that effect veiler doesn't really care about chains you know it's 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 not you can't chain block an effect veiler yeah or or the minute they try to chain block with a with a when and an if yeah Yeah. so it's just like well it doesn't work that way (laughs) There's definitely like stages and like, like for me when I've been trying to teach the guys a, a hobby, like I start started off with the very basic ones, and I've, as the weeks are going on and as they're developing and understanding more, I'm starting to explain. And obviously, when the rulings come up, I have to explain there on the spot. But um, I'm seeing like uh, it's quite cool because you see like a lot of improvement from the players, and and yeah. And do you think that's because you're there? Like, do you think that's mostly because you're there to actually guide them? Well, yeah, beforehand, we didn't have, like, the store Valkyrie. We There wasn't anyone who really, like, played Yu-Gi-Oh, enjoyed Yu-Gi-Oh in the past. It was very much like it was a flesh and blood and magic store, and it's nothing against the store, and they've acknowledged it mm-hmm. as well. They're like, that. they were our games, we know them, we, we do heaps of board games, D&D, that's the stuff we love. And I was like, oh, well, if you want me to run the Yu-Gi-Oh for you, I don't mind doing it because I want to see the scene grow. Um and I think it's really important to have someone who's like super passionate about the game um, to help the players and also help the community grow. Um, and that, that's what I've been doing over the last few weeks. Uh, I think I took over about four months ago. Uh, and for about seven months of the beforehand, we had about four players show up. And we had people traveling from like Masterton and stuff. So that's like an hour's drive just to come to a wow. hobby league. Yeah, and I and I was like, well these guys are like showing up and they want to play. So I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll take it over. I'll run. Um, so I'm running like a league now. And that's, that's a, also a really good way of like drawing people in. Cause it's like something on top of the hobby league. Um, mm. 
And because everyone's at such a similar level, it grew really quickly, but they're now all growing together at the same level, which also helps. So there's not just someone mm. that comes in every week and wins every week and smashes everyone and then takes all the prizes and goes away. I think it's, um, yeah, so I think one week we had 21 players, um, which was huge for Parmy. Um, but what I've really enjoyed and what I've liked seeing is like the development of all the players at the same stage um, moving up together. And they, and, and, they all help each other out as well, which is really cool to see. Yeah, yeah. and I think that that, that that ties back to a really important part of the game that you might miss out on potentially in the inclusion of simulators is the, is the aspect of community. As I understand that there are people, you know, you can generate discords and things, so you can really connect with people, but I think in-person community is, I think, something that is truly one of the most beneficial things you can have with this game and something that was really heavily impacted with the um, onset of um, COVID-19 is that people lost their community or they they became oh, yeah. they started to become detached from the community. And that's it's quite upsetting, actually. I, you know, I do feel really bad for those people who were, you know, they might have gone through, you know, let's just say New Zealand the first five weeks of our initial lockdown in April 2020 and went, well, I you know i don't have you know i can't go out and see the people i see every yeah. friday um and and i think that does, that does take a huge toll on some people and i think that being a part of a community and watching people play and learn together like like attracts like so if you are finding people that are wanting to better themselves as players wanting to improve their skills but all they're missing is just a, 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 an environment to be around i think that that's a, a something mm. that really heavily like positively impacts you as a player and your skill base as a player yeah i, I really miss being able to have like testing partners over like that yeah. was a big thing for me before tournaments was yeah i'll grab like you know dino or, or connor and just like just jam matches for like eight hours different decks it's so much harder to do that on a simulator because there's none of it that. Is, yeah. You can't like, oh, let's have a drink. Let's go out, have a, you know, have a pizza, have yeah, a pizza and come back and, and keep going. And you keep that energy up. You keep that momentum. Like on simulators, it's just so quick to suck the, and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because I'm not like techno minded enough, but like, I can't stare at like a, like a dueling yeah. simulator for hours and stay motivated. It's so difficult. So, I, I've played lots of games um, over the last few years like on PC, just like other, other things. Um, when it comes to Dolan Book and Yu-Gi-Oh Pro and all of those ones, I I, I just can't sit down it, and like because it's very about it. It's yeah. very like you you you're staring at a screen playing a card game, and it would only be okay for me if there was someone on Discord on the other side. Otherwise, it's just really like boring. <laughs> like it's not that yeah. fun. Yes. Um. It almost and... strips apart. Like, yo, I'm really just like slamming some fucking JPEGs down on a screen. Yeah. That don't do anything. Like, there's no there's no physical, and maybe that's where like Master Duel helps. There's none of that like tangible physical response. Like at least in real life, you can kind of flick the cards around and have fun that way. But on, on Dueling Book, you're just staring at like a J, it's a JPEG. Like, it is, and it yeah. doesn't do anything. It only does stuff in the context of like rules that exist in an ether. It, it's, and for, yeah, for, it's for me, in Palmy like, recently, like seeing a community grow is like really cool because I'm, I, like, for example, Hobby League here starts at 2 p.m. on a Saturday. And we're starting to see people show up at the store at like 12, 30, 1 yeah. o'clock. And they're, and they're yeah, like playing, <laughs> yeah, they're like playing heaps of games beforehand. And then they don't want to leave. They want to stay behind and play games. Um, a few years back, like uh, with the old wave of Palmy players that none of them really play anymore. But like, I remember we used to finish up at Hobby League and it was like almost a, a tradition that we'd go out and get Maccas or KFC or something afterwards and just go sit down and chill out and hang out together. 
And I then, think I think any Yu-Gi-Oh game played after the store is closed is like among the best Yu-Gi-Oh games you'll ever play. Oh like yeah, when the store owner just keeps the keeps it open and you just keep the get pizzas and just keep playing like that. That's the dream. Yeah, and I think that's what makes, and and I hope you know the the physical guard game will stay around for a long long time to come because I I think that you mm. can't ever emulate that. Like you you can emulate obviously the game on a screen, but you can't create a community on the screen you you it, there, there is online communities but they're definitely not the same as like going to events with people um seeing the same guys every week and you're like all hanging out together and you like catch up with each other you see each other's like you know someone will bring a new deck along and they're like whoa that's that's awesome but you know if you play against a new deck online it's just oh yeah cool you're playing that on edo pro sweet Normal you know summon alistair yeah <laughs> yeah i think if there is a bright side though seeing a lot of american uh streams and content creators like there's been such a resurgence of the locals that I think is important to recognize. Like, yeah. especially in Magic, having seen them go through like the five stages of grief with Arena and the death of tournament play, like, there's been such a, a cultural pushback towards the paper Magic, you know, paper Yu Gi Oh! get together with your friends. Like, I have never seen a more dedicated audience towards just like, no, 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 we want to play like in, in a store, in a scummy, you know, mall, back alley, uh, fluorescent light ass <laughs> yeah. store is where I want to be, right? Like, no one's, mm. no one's like, oh, I can't wait to finally not have to go to locals anymore and I can play it all on, yeah. on Master Duel. There's none of that. And I think that's quite, um, quite affirming, quite like a, a little bright light after COVID that, yeah. you know, it, it, there's a more of an interest in, in locals and community than ever. Like for me, I still get the enjoyment out of, you know, you buy new cards and you're just excited like throughout your work week. You're like, oh, oh sweet. I can't wait. It. I can't wait to get these out of, you know, <laughs> a hobby league and play, you know. Yes. Um, and that that's the thing. Like, and I don't think you can get that on an emulator either. Like there's not, you know, oh, I've got this like ulti set of super polys. I really want to show off a hobby this week. You know, like it's, 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 you don't get that. Like, and, and I feel like the physical game will always have that over the, what the emulators can give. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that you know, that being able to be in 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 person with people is, I think, where people do the most learning. And I think you know, the existence of simulators uh, is there to provide to people who may be in less you know fortunate circumstances. They may not have the ability to go out to a locals that's anywhere nearby. They may not have the financial resources to potentially purchase cards and still want to be mm. a part of it. Um, and, you know, the existence of, of those is a good thing. They provide to those people who potentially are in a situation that doesn't allow them to be what we've just described, which, I mean, to be honest, to be, it sounds, you know, Shangri-La, that's exactly where we want to be, is we're surrounded yeah. by people. Um, and I think, you know, you touched on it a wee bit. I think the existence of simulators also helps those people who are potentially interested in new decks, new strategies, uh, to test them out before buying them. And I oh, think yeah. that that's mm -hmm. something that I would like to see if Master Duel was to come around, something that provides an availability to to players to yeah. learn a new strategy before the physical at, cards at come a, out. At a bare minimum, they they had better not like kill Dueling Book. Like That would be, I think, the worst case scenario is if Konami finally decides to send like cease and desist to all the other simulators because they now have their you know premium paid you know loot box version. Because, um, you know, we've, we've kind of talked about simulators and what we don't like about them, but we should give credit to the fact that, like, even a kid that comes to our locals, I think they were, like, 16, 
mm. uh, has won multiple events um, by borrowing decks from people. Like, oh, he yeah. cannot af- he cannot afford the cards. Sixteen years old. <laughs> Sixteen years old. Like doesn't I think maybe has like a part time or I don't think he has a job. Yep. Um, can't afford more than like a super heavy samurai base. Uh, that reminds me because he's just like oh i've played this a ton on dueling book i can play drytron i'm like oh sick here's a drytron deck he beat me <laughs> and that like, damn that kind of reminds me of like in my early days of Yu-Gi-Oh, where um i think i mentioned in the first podcast we did together like um i used to i was in school at the time and i obviously had no money and i had to save like so my mum would give me like lunch money for each friday and i yep. used to just go hungry and borrow us you know grab a sandwich <laughs> off a mate and i would like save that five dollars up every week just to be able to like buy a cyber dragon or something along those lines where mm. i wanted to be competitive so like you're right in that sense where the um the simulators are are good for that and like being able to play with cards you wouldn't be able to just buy it at that age or if you didn't have like work at the time or even you know there's so many circumstances where you, people can't afford to drop three hundred dollars on a set of like staples and mm. there yeah, are 14 and... year olds who can full dragon link combo you like it's oh you know, yeah it's gonna and, happen and you know what all they're missing is the cards they just person. need to they, they need the safe hurts and stuff and and yeah. i think that that's really important is that it also you know not only does it provide to, uh, you know, current situations, simulators provide access to cards that are not yet released in the TCG. And I think, you know, we see, we're all on our phones awaiting translations. And I think for some people, the next thing they're waiting for translations is for them to be uploaded onto Dueling Book and to Edo Pro. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> they want to be live testing these cards as soon as they come out so they can see how they impact their current builds what the like how does this work going forward when the set finally does release in the tcg um you know access to cards like the sword souls currently which are still you know at this moment in time three weeks away from releasing in or more than oh my god like, like no so more close than, more than three weeks oh, so excited it's like six weeks can't wait <laughs> to shen shen pass in a different way like and that's the thing is that the simulators give access to cards that are just not out um and i think you know, these are, it's a really beneficial tool to players because oh, it is, you know, yeah. we experimented it for a wee bit. We printed out proxies, but you know, that's quite resource intensive. Yep. And one thing I find myself doing, I've got EDO Pro on my phone. Uh, and sometimes in the evenings, like I'll I'll just sit down, boot it up, like go against like even just an AI just to like test things. And and mm. after we spoke about branded and red, I was like, Oh cool, I would have tried that out. Like and and I could because it's on EDO Pro and I was like, Cool, I'll sweet, I'll I'll gonna yeah. test some builds out. And all it let me do was just like test the open enhance, test consistency, test this and that. But like mm. you're right, it's a card that's not out yet, but I don't have to like I could then work out how many copies of it I need, how many of everything else I need, and then when the card actually comes out, I've already got my build ready and it's gonna help me out financially as well, because I don't I'm not gonna just buy up like everything. Like, yeah, like, I, I might think need. I'm the same. Like, I don't play uh, Dueling Book rank- ranked very often. I'll do it, like, if I'm, I don't know, starved for <laughs> any kind of activity. But most of the time, I'm, yeah, I'm loading up Dueling Book and I'm doing hand tests like I would in real life. You know, I just, like, build the deck, try out ratios, um, do the combo a couple times, and then start going, all right, now I've got to play through Ash Nib. Now I've got to play through uh, Vela Ash. Now I've got to play through Vela Bell. Like, and then just hmm. keep, like, doing different test hands until I figure out. Oh, you know, I also think I was testing um, uh, Sword Soul Tenyi a few times, and, and it, I realized quite quickly, like, having access to normal monsters is important. Mm-hmm. Um, so I put Land for Olympus in the extra deck, and it's actually been, like, insane. Non-effect, once again. Not normal. Non-effect. Sorry, yeah. non-effect. <laughs> See? Exactly. Yeah. 
it's dumb dumb they yeah. should not have two different names for anyway yeah. <laughs> but the thing is yeah um yeah i think i think if they kill the free simulators that dies which is a huge loss absolutely it is. um and and for me yeah, i'm I... sitting here with multiple bow decks built already yeah like, knowing like, them and testing them that that's my gig i love doing that for a lot of people these simulators are purely there just to like like as ruben said like test out the new stuff that hasn't come out and and it would be a huge loss because i mean it would it would like force people then to like test it in real life but that's just like people don't want to buy free copies of like an ultra rare that they might not even only need one copy of like you know like they don't know that until they they can mm. actually get their hands on the cards. So, I mean, like, I do get... you know how much mo- like money Konami has gotten off of me because I can test out these decks? Like, it's, it's, oh, I yeah. wouldn't Anything, spend as much as I did if I didn't know I needed the it's, cards. It's, it's positive reinforcement. If you go, great, I've practiced with these. I know this card works. I need to have this physically. You're incentivized to then purchase product. Yeah, because you're like, oh, I could win a tournament with this. I know I'm good with, yeah. uh, with Flunderies or whatever. Yeah, so I, I definitely think in that sense, that's where the simulators are good. Um, and also for people, uh, what, what we haven't mentioned yet, are people that, I mean, not not so much for financial reasons, but like uh, they can't make hobby leagues because oh, I suppose we have sort of said it, but like they can't make a hobby league because it's on a Saturday or something. Like it, it still gives them something. Um, accessibility. And I think yeah. that that's, you know, the simulators provide a lot of accessibility to those people who may not be in circumstances that provide them, you know, that give them the oh, opportunity yeah. to yeah. attend hobby leagues. Um, yeah. Is it different than in person hobby league? Yes. Oh, yeah. 100%. Oh, very different. And yeah. I think that the existence of the simulators is important to, you know, test, encourage people to still want to play the game. And again, like, I'm sure that there are people who have gone, oh, I really like Yu Gi Oh! They just Google Yu Gi Oh! simulator. And things like Dueling Book come up, things like the Twitter for Edo Pro come up, like, and then the, that is their rabbit hole. That's what they fall into. That's what they start learning. Um, and I think that it's important to acknowledge that you know, a lot of the times these simulators can be the bridge to in to in person play. Yeah, and that that's also another thing I was going to bring up is, um, the community for Yu Gi Oh is still like there's a lot of players out there that haven't tried a hobby league yet and and there's a lot of people that play the game very casually uh and buy packs for collection purposes or whatever but mm-hmm. i i know in palmy like uh at the summer there were so many players i'd never seen before right like i i'd never yep. seen like any of them and they, i said oh hey where have you guys come from and they're like well we just play we like buy packs we jump in at each other like they jump to each other's houses each weekend and they just like have these like mini tournaments at each other's houses and there is a massive like casual player base um that's sort of untapped uh, and i feel like that that that's where going sorry going back again to the learning curve is where there's a big gap in our market where mm. there's all these casual players out there that, that wouldn't mind coming into a hobby league but like i've had a i've had the classic comment of they come in and they go well i don't really want to spend ten dollars to enter just to be beaten four times just to get smashed by someone who yeah. sends us cost and I don't know what that means. Yeah, so like, I, there, there is, a, yeah, that, yeah. and yeah, and I feel like there, there is a lot of things that w- we could do as a community to like sort of help these, um, these players, you know, ease their way into a hobby league. And and I know that like, uh, some and, and some people don't want to either. Like that, that's the thing we have to acknowledge too. Like some people are very happy just to like buy the cards and play with their mates at home. Like, and that's fine too. Like I'm not, I have nothing against yeah, that. Yeah. I yeah. almost feel like we need to do like a thesis, like a whole podcast that's just about like 
let's just fix this problem, like the Yu-Gi-Oh learning curve problem, right? And like, screw like balance and messing up old cards. Just ignore that. Just like, if you could make the game actually accessible, what would you do? Because I have so many like frustrations with that exact problem where they're, they're casual players, they come in and they get stomped by someone who knows what chain blocking is mm. or missing the timing and, and how that's just so... It's it's so irrelevant to the actual learning pattern of the game. Like, you know, there's such a difference between knowing about missing the timing and knowing when to ash a card. Like, those are two very, very mm. different um, skill sets. I think the one thing that I've seen Konami do to sort of um, attract, I guess, the more casual player or the more nostalgic sort of player is they are, like, slowly bringing out support for, like, all these really old school like archetypes because we've seen mm. you know how many times has blue eyes and dark magician now been reprinted like it's, it's ridiculous but they 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 are bringing out these old school nostalgic kind of decks that are hopefully attracting in those uh, like kind of attracting the um the more casual player and yeah. uh, that that's something that they are doing and i'm like i'm all for that like if they if they bring out this new dark magician support and someone works out how to break it i'm sure if someone from the outside looks in and they go, oh, well, Dark Magician's like one of the top decks, keen on that, you know. Mm. Like, I think that that's something they can do. But yeah, apart from it's that... It's a little it's... limiting just because there's not a huge repertoire of cards that people who don't play Yu-Gi-Oh are familiar with. Like, yeah. I agree. I think if a Dark Magician deck was tier one, there would be a lot of new players. But what happens when those players, um, you know, when Dark Magician gets hit on the ban list, you know? Like... Yeah, they... Where do they go? Because they just kind of picked it up because Dark Magician was playable. Uh, I mean, maybe some of them stick around, but I some mean, might it's, stick it's, around. Yeah, it's going to be hard to do the same thing for like Naturia or, or yeah. Nordics. Like they have their fan bases, but it's not going to expand beyond people who played Yu-Gi-Oh already. I think. Mm. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, like I, I, I feel that Yu-Gi-Oh as a whole in New Zealand has grown quite a bit over the years. Like it, it's had its like kind of waves i suppose of like popularity but where we're at right now i feel is like one of the most pop like this is like kind of the most popular time we've had with the game um because of covid and because of netflix putting up Yu-Gi-Oh on 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 it you know on its service mm -hmm. like I, i've seen a lot of players like um at least like four or five of the guys locally they're like well i haven't played or seen Yu-Gi-Oh for 10 15 years and then all of a sudden i was like sitting at home and i saw it on netflix and i was like oh i want to watch that and then they're back in the game again and they started to like collecting cards through uh the first lockdown and that's how they got back into the game and mm. i mean you just look at the numbers even just on our on the Yu-Gi-Oh new zealand page like we're almost hitting three thousand members now and there, there's a lot of people out there that want to play the game and it it, it just needs uh we just need more for like learning and that, that that's what yeah. that's what i think anyway yeah and i think a lot of i think you know again another total tangent i think the shame for enjoying nostalgic things has been very heavily washed away due to mm. covid-19 i think people oh, yeah. are no longer ashamed to like things again that they once liked when they were younger because it's truly those have been, you know, not to you know, bring the mood down, but, you know, those could be some of the happiest moments of their, of their childhood is mm. being able to enjoy a hobby that they enjoyed when they were maybe eight and nine. So I think when people come back in and they go, oh, I'd love to, you know, get back into this, people aren't going, oh, that's strange. They go, yes, here's how. And I, I think, unfortunately, with Yu-Gi-Oh!, there's not a lot of here's how for people yeah. who haven't watched, who haven't played in a long time. And I think you even explained it. You 
skipped synchros like you just avoided the first half of synchro era because of teledad and it's and it's impact on the meta there were there were people you know i skipped pendulum era i never played during pendulum era lucas they think skipped xyz era never you know i skipped the whole era i never played Yu-Gi-Oh until recently so it's you know there are you know there are people take you know i think was it simo once famously said you don't quit Yu-Gi-Oh. you just take really long breaks and i think that um Oh, you're in for life. That's yeah. that's for sure. And I think that, you know, if you can acknowledge that, you know, time in, you know, it, ch- it changes, things change. And I think if you're able to come into a game, let's say like Yu-Gi-Oh! in 2021, when the first thing that you played was, uh, let's like a, like a warrior structure deck in 2007, like there's, if you're willing to accept the change that's happened to the game, you're in for the you're in for a long time and you're in mm. in a better aspect 100 percent. i think that's actually something worth noting too um you know to give credit to to streamers like distant coder mm. i think in, mm. in in particular and people like like pack and even recently some some Yu-Gi-Oh pros have made youtube channels for the same reason to, who actually explain this stuff really well because that was yep. something that you know konami's never gonna do it but if you watch like coder's uh ruling streams like you know he knows he's a very good judge and I think he has a very good way of like explaining um, core concepts that that five years ago no one would ever bother to to learn, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think another yeah. another thing that Ruben briefly said there, and I mentioned in a previous podcast, is like due to the, like the popularity growth of Yu-Gi-Oh and and the, I don't know the way that the world's changed around COVID. Um, it's definitely not not like. When I when I first started playing and when I went into high school and stuff, like I'd very much like hide the fact that I played Yu-Gi-Oh, because yes. like people would be like, "Whoa, what are you doing?" That's with those? for kids. That, that's for kids. You're such a nerd. Like, nerds, what are you yeah. doing? Like, and there, there was actually I would say almost a bullion problem in high school at the time. Like, if you if you got caught playing Yu-Gi-Oh in like a local library, they'll just come over and be like, oh, "What? Whoa, what are you doing, you nerd?" You know, like that. That there was a, it was a big thing. And there's bullies in high schools. Hang on. Whoa, whoa I know. Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow <laughs> Shock down. Horror. This is a little, a little radical of a, of a take. Here. <laughs> but kids yeah, like horrible. now, yeah, kids are horrible to each other. Or I mean, they maybe they're not so bad anymore. No, I, I think it, it will be slightly better now. But like, also, I, I may it may be just a thing of me growing up as well. Like, but I was at a, like the party where I had like a couple of weeks back, and we were all standing around having a few drinks, like having dinner and that. And people were like, "Oh, what did you do today?" And I was like, "Oh, you know, I just went and played Yu-Gi-Oh and did this and that." And they're like, "What? You played Yu-Gi-Oh?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I play Yu-Gi-Oh." And they're like, "Oh, what? what that's awesome! Like, do you play Blue Eyes?" Yeah. And it went down that road. But like, you know, it's still like it, it's it's so like accepted now, and it's so like almost normal I think to that's play true. it and, and, and maybe, i feel that a little that bit like um you know we're in like quality circles as well yes i mean i'm sure there are some people who are still like that but i do, it's harder and harder to be uh it's harder mean, harder. mean about nerds yeah stuff it's anymore. harder and harder to have disdain towards people's comforts and i think that you know yeah. I, you know i worked in a hobby store for the last year and the amount of mm. people that went oh i you know, I loved Games Workshop as a kid. I guess I'll get back into it now because it's just great stuff to do at home while I'm locked at home. Or, oh, I mm. loved Magic as a kid. I remember playing when, like, uh, like Ice Age came out. And it's, you know, it's just like these people have been, you know, they have such fond memories and they want to re, you know, they want to re-engage yeah. that fond memory. We're also, like, past the generation that didn't grow up playing video games. Mm. Like, yeah. literally find me a single person who hasn't played a video game anymore. Yeah. you can't like, like we all did it so like the bar for nerd stuff 
has been it's raised. Up. So it's like, oh, well, LARPing is the new thing that got like bullied for, right? Because, well, that's, that's like weird. And even that's now like, like who would even bat an eyelid at LARPing when, you know, the literal most popular movie in cinemas is about superheroes? <laughs> like, where, yeah. where do you go? Like, what's the point in, in, in threading needles like that? Uh, and I think Yu-Gi-Oh was was kind of up there with with the high tier uh, nerd stuff because it's you know it's it's like nerd stuff you have but you have to read and like yeah. do maths like what the hell like it's it's a little bit further on and even that I think maybe because of the anime is also beloved. Um, it definitely helps. I think it, like I think culture has just shifted towards it being okay uh, to do super nerdy stuff. <laughs> like it's yeah. fine. No one who yeah. cares. Like what, what does it what does it matter? Yeah, I know. I think that's why we're seeing such a huge growth in the game as well. With like, um, as far as like the amount of players interested, like I, I see, you know, so many people on the page that like are buying and selling cards from Palmy that I've never even met before, and like that, that, that's for me like something quite big. And I know that there is a lot of players out there, and and hopefully we can continue to see the growth. But we obviously I mean, we, need... we we can just we can just talk about it. How the classic? Oh, I opened. I was cleaning out my closet and found this, and last night was a first id lob american dark magician yeah. oh yeah <laughs> that, was that was funny. And, and, that, yeah. and that's you know that's people they go oh i hear this is popular i guess so you know i google yeah, it i look for a facebook community and here's something i can discuss everyone was loading up the uh the australian print is actually worth oh whoa no wait <laughs> this is this is american uh-oh <laughs> Yeah. Either that no. or like I bought a I bought a Starlight off Trade Me uh, a while ago and I messaged Greg because it was a guy from Dunedin. And I was like, yeah. Greg, do you know this guy? And he's like, No. <laughs> I'm like, why does he have a Starlight? Am I gonna get scammed? He's like, maybe. And I bought it <laughs> and it arrived, and I'm like, no, I guess he just this is just a guy that opened packs. Like that's all yeah. he does. It's they exist. They definitely do. Like and and the amount of people and I've said this before that have lob first ed stuff that are just sitting in like a shoebox somewhere you know oh my god like yeah thousands thousands yeah and 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 i i i'm happy to see the the community grow and i there are many aspects to the community there are collectors out there there are just casual players there are competitive players and and i want to like with locally anyway like give something to each of them um and uh, and like continue the growth yeah yeah. and i think growth is good and i think that you know, what promotes growth is the accessibility to resources. And unfortunately, you know, it is, you know, Konami are a wee bit, you know, not becoming or unbecoming of resources. However, I think that the community that's evolved around Yu-Gi-Oh! makes up for it in, like, in space. Yeah, we fix it ourselves. (laughs) That's, we're used to it at this point. And, (laughs) you know, you know, content creators, people who are active members in their community, I think do uh, so much heavy lifting for this game. And I think that it, it's something that people, you know, a, a new player is so thankful of someone who knows resources and knows under, mm-hmm. understands games and rulings, uh, you know, where it can get to a point where I'm here, you know, it gets to a point where someone asks me a ruling, they go, oh, it doesn't work like that. And they go, oh, that sucks. Because that's the, not what they want to hear, but they understand yeah. that it's how it works. So yeah, it's yeah. it's really incredible to see, you know, the the content that has been put out into the community just providing so much, you know, it, you know, tinder to the fire that is wanting to, you know, play and learn a new card game. Yeah, I think Yu-Gi-Oh I, actually I does that part the best. Like, the, I think the content creators of Yu-Gi-Oh, because I watch a lot of different games, are by far and above the best at compensating and and explaining and expanding on people's knowledge of the game. And that is probably because the game is terrible at doing it itself. That we kind of have to. 
Mm. Um, but the level, the caliber of like content that people make, it's it's borderline thesis, right? Like we are all getting a master's or a PhD in, in problem solving card text at this point just to play the game. So it's it's quite effortless to explain it when you when you have to. Um, yeah. So that's fun. I like that. Yeah, and and for me, I don't also... ask me what happens if Appaloosa's attack is modulated. Though I'm never, I'm never <laughs> answering that question, right? <laughs> so I uh, one one thing I've also noticed is like <laughs> with with these YouTubers and stuff like, um, and I'm sure you guys have seen as well. Like heaps of them now stream themselves, go into locals and stream their communities and things like that. And like that mm. that shows that there is still that that want and need for the physical game. Um, and yeah, it's it's, it's just really cool to see. I actually thought I thought Ruggles was the best at that. His his getting back into Yu-Gi-Oh series was like unbelievable. Way groundbreaking. Yeah. I think that that true. Like if you want to talk about like <laughs> like moments in modern Yu-Gi-Oh history that yeah. just like just broke new ground was the was the upload of Ruggles putting his getting back into Yu-Gi-Oh series. That he, was like bar none because he got it like a lot of that video was just him like filming his mates at the store and their stupid antics and you got to know them as people like that i yeah. think illustrated that you know you're not gonna go to locals and just get dogged by like four meta players who just go gg and like walk away it's like no it's a bunch of idiot nerds that like talking about anime like that's obviously who plays the game and it's fun to hang out with them yeah and i think I um you know people like uh revs with like Yu-Gi-Oh from scratch you know yeah. the bands yeah the bands the the social like the social interaction people going oh not only do am i able to be a part of a card game and play a competitive version i'm also able to get myself involved in a community that has such a like-minded mentality this is where i would want to be and i think that seeing that physically like you said joe these people streaming their locals people going to locals people recording their locals like this is the kind of content that promotes, you know, people getting into the game, learning how to play the game and bettering themselves at the game. It's why we care so much. Yeah. I yeah. think. Like we, I think it's all the way we get to express ourselves. Well. Yeah, we get to express yeah. ourselves with the game. Um, but the game is just kind of like we, we love it and we love to talk about it. But like, why do we love to talk about it? Well, because it's fun to to like talk with other people, you know? Yeah, I wouldn't it, play this game if it was just me. I, I would quit in like a week. Mm. It's I mean, not it's actually just, that good. <laughs> at the end of it all, it's like it's just a, a hobby that you know yeah. creates a community and gives us enjoyment. And that, that's why we are, we're all here. Like the so, games, yeah. yeah, the game's not that good. Like it's fine. <laughs> it's like you know, among the better designed card games ever printed, it's not a huge bar. <laughs> no, it's also very broken at times. But you know, the, exactly, we, 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 all, yeah. we all come back anyway. Like, and that that's you that's, roll with the punches. Yeah, yeah. So I I think yeah. That's pretty much sums up God. all of that. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to do another podcast on just rules, like literally, just to, like maybe as a resource, even because I think we've done a couple like that before. Um, but this has been great. Yeah, uh, so good. much fun. Uh, fun again, talking like with you. memory lane, and also this is a call out to any and all people wanting to get into Yu-Gi-Oh. Just try. Just yeah. Just go out. Give it a shot. You know, try check out simulators like Edo Pro, like Dueling Book, um, and you know, see how they work for you, and let yeah. them be the bridge to you joining into our incredible Yu-Gi-Oh yeah. community here we need in to New make Zealand. Like a, we need to make like an email for for questions if we ever get a viewer that isn't from Yu-Gi-Oh New Zealand. 
Yeah, true. <laughs> it's the possible. Other, you never the know. Other, the other thing I would also recommend to any new player out there would be, like, just just show up to your hobby league. Even if you don't play, like, just show up, see what it's about, like, see what goes on. And, yeah. and you'll find that, like, most, if not all the players really, like, are always quite open to help other players because at the end of it, we just want more players. Like, we don't want to scare people off. Like, so if you come along and get smashed, you know, five games in a row, we, we actually want you to come back and we'll help you out and improve, you know, like that, that's what we want. We don't. I was going to say, listen to Joe. See how, see how nice and friendly Joe is. That's <laughs> like every store owner or, my, or like a uh, hobby organizer I've ever met have been like this. Like no one has ever been a gatekeeper or like maybe there's a couple of bad apples in America or something, but this is yep. what we're like. We're all very friendly and approachable. So yeah. I mean, the whole reason, no reason I should be afraid. The whole reason I started running the hobby league was just because I wanted to see it grow and I want more new players in the mm. game. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, Sweet. another great episode another, with our incredible just, guest, Joe. Just a fantastic one in the bag. Uh, I've been Lucas. I'm Ruben. You want to sound off? Uh, yeah, I'm Joe. And you've been listening to The, the Face Downs. Downs. <laughs>